I'm Rachel Hernandez, real estate investor turned mobile home investor and best-selling author. I make a living investing in mobile homes for cash flow for long-term passive income. After many mistakes and lessons learned, I've been able to create the kind of life where I can do the types of things I want to do, not have to do. I created the Adventures in Mobile Homes podcast to share with you what I've learned so you can spend more time with family, friends, and do things you love. Mobile home investing can help you get there. If you want to hear real stories with practical and actionable advice you can use from someone who's been in the trenches and who's still investing today to create the type of life you love, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Well, hello there. And welcome to the Adventures in Mobile Homes podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Hernandez, a.k.a. Mobile Home Girl of AdventuresinMobileHomes.com. Thank you so much for joining me here on the 10th episode of the podcast. Now, just in case you missed it, be sure to tune in to the last episode where I talk about how to run your mobile home investing business during COVID-19, aka coronavirus, and the steps you can take to be safe as a mobile home investor. You can find it along with the show notes at www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash nine. And that is the number Nine. Okay, so let's get started. So last week, as part of the Take Action series of episodes on what you can do to take action as a mobile home investor, I shared with you about how you can take action and the steps you can do to stay safe during COVID-19 while you run your mobile home investing business. Now, it's very important as a real estate investor to be informed and stay current on what exactly is going on in the world and around you in your own environment. So that's the reason why I dedicated an entire episode to that subject. But today, I want to go back and talk about mobile home parks. Now, I've already talked about how to find mobile home parks in episode six and the different types of mobile home parks in episode seven. Though, is it better to work in a small park or a big park? And this is a question I get asked a lot from other investors just starting out. So today, I'm going to talk about small parks versus big parks. What type of park should you be working in as a mobile home investor just starting out, whether it be big or small. 
and what the pros and cons are of a small park versus a large park. But before we move on, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Hey there, Rachel here. Are you interested in mobile home investing? If yes, I've got a free mobile home investing course for you. It's called What You Need to Know to Get Started in Mobile Home Investing. It details all the ins and outs of what you need to know before you get started as a mobile home investor. With so much information out there, it's overwhelming to go out and search for what you're looking for. So I put my knowledge and expertise in mobile home investing to work. And it's all in this free training course. You can find it at www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash free training class. Again, www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash free training class. Grab your seat and get started today. Now, back to the show. Okay, so when you're just getting started as a mobile home investor, is it better to work in a small park or a big park? And what are the differences between them? Well, the answer is that it depends on your personality. When I first started out as a mobile home investor, I really thought working with small parks was the way to go. I figured it would be easier to get into a smaller park, aka a mom and pop type park owned by an individual versus a larger park owned by a corporation and one that's professionally managed. I was completely wrong. When I went out and found mobile home parks and visited them, which I cover finding mobile home parks to work with, in episode six, I soon found that the smaller parks simply did not work with my personality. So why was this? Well, as I've mentioned over the course of this podcast, I have a background in corporate sales. So I'm really comfortable in a professional corporate environment. That's just what I was used to before I started my mobile home investing business during my sales and marketing career since I've worked as a sales executive in various Fortune 500 corporations. Though, when I first started my mobile home investing journey, I completely ignored this fact. I went against the grain about who I was as a person and my comfort level. Though I don't really like to admit this, I work best in a corporate environment. That's just me and my personality. Due to my many years working in business offices myself. Now, 
Getting back to visiting parks, I soon realized that the small parks really didn't fit well with my personality. Many were not professionally managed, and this included the park managers. They were not the most professional. Some even smoked in front of me in the office during our business meetings. And this is a complete turnoff for me. I know I talked about being more casual and not being too professional when meeting and talking to park managers, which, by the way, I cover in episode eight. But there is a certain degree of professionalism I do believe needs to be there, even in this business. And I will tell you, with a lot of managers in these small mom-and-pop type mobile home parks, it simply wasn't there. Now, that's just the managers for these parks. I'll go on and talk to you about the residents living there. As for the residents, there were yards that were just not kept up and items on the porches in many of these smaller parks that I visited. Some of the homes just looked like, from the outside, that they were not being kept up. Now, I talk about the differences between the different types of parks in episode seven of this podcast, which I'll link up here in the show notes. As for the residents themselves, the majority of them just didn't fit my personality. I soon found this out as I was knocking on doors, passing out flyers to tell people I bought mobile homes, which I really don't recommend doing until you choose the types of parks you want to work in and know the type of clientele the park attracts and the type who live there. This was my mistake. And the reason I'm doing this podcast episode on this topic. Now, I remember some residents who were men would answer the door. Some did not wear a shirt or had a lot of tattoos. There were some who asked me to come in to have a beer with them or just had a beer in their hands. This totally made me uncomfortable. As a petite, college-educated girl who grew up in the suburbs, I was in a completely different world, one which didn't match my personality and who I was. And this was my mistake. Now, I'm not going to say all small mobile home parks are like this, where the residents don't keep up with their homes or their yards, 
and the types of people who live there are not the most professional. That's simply not true. Though, for the most part, the majority of small parks that I visited were like this. And it was a complete turnoff. I felt uncomfortable and just felt like it didn't seem right while in the park, whether I be interacting with residents or park managers in these small parks. But still, I ignored this fact. I ignored my gut, which I don't suggest you ever do, despite what the numbers say, even if it's a deal of a lifetime. Always trust your instincts. This was one of my biggest mistakes and lessons learned. I remember working in a small park and having to deal with a park owner directly. Going against my gut and my instincts, I bought a home in this park. It was a small two-bedroom, two-bath mobile home built in the mid-1980s. Well, after I fixed up the home, I found a couple for it, who, by the way, weren't the hardest people to work with. Though, we had a few hiccups along the way as they bought the home making payments to me, which I'll talk more about in a future podcast episode. So stay tuned. In any case, after they moved in and did all of the paperwork with me, this couple would constantly complain to me about the park owner. Why? Well, it turns out the park owner did not want to put in the money to submeter the entire park for water. So basically, the lot rent amount every month included water. Essentially, residents were getting free water every month. Now, this seems like a good deal for residents, but how about for the park itself and its operating costs? Little did the park owner find out that the water bill was getting too high and eating into the operating costs of the park. So what did he do? Did he submeter the entire park? Which most parks are, so that each resident pays for the water they actually use. The answer is no. He did not submeter the park. Why? To save on costs. What ended up happening was that every month, or even multiple times a month, this park owner would knock on each resident's door. He would ask to come into their home without notice, which, by the way, is against the law, as in many areas, landlords have to give notice before they can come into a tenant's home. 
unless the home is burning, and inspect the home for leaks. I kid you not. So this park owner would actually go into the home as he were going to inspect it. He would check underneath the sink, run the toilets, and make sure they weren't leaking. And also the tub and or the shower to make sure they weren't leaking either. Then he would go outside and open up the skirting to go underneath the home to check for leaks. He would ask the residents to keep running the water while he was underneath the home to see if anything was leaking. If there were any leaks, he would ask the residents to fix them. And on every visit, he would tell the residents not to use so much water. Yes, you heard me right. The residents living in this park would get a lecture from the park owner every month about water usage and the importance of conservation and not being wasteful. He would do this every month, sometimes multiple times a month, to every single home on the lot. The owner of the park, not the park manager or the maintenance staff, which he didn't have either. This is a true story, and I'm not joking. In any case, this was ridiculous, and I just had to tell my residents they had to comply with what he wanted. Though I did tell them I talked to the park owner about trying to give notice before he came. When I told the park owner this, he told me he'd try but couldn't guarantee it because he was so busy. In any case, this was just one experience I had working in a small park. After a while, I just knew I had a focus in other parks, those that worked with my personality. And so I turned my focus and efforts to bigger parks, mostly corporate-owned parks. Now, at the time, I had already done business in and established relationships with park managers in larger parks. In episode three of this podcast, I talk about my first mobile home deal, which was in a large park, a corporate-owned park. So I already knew what to expect in these types of parks. Though, as a beginning mobile home investor, I didn't have the ability to see outside of myself and reflect. I was working in the business and didn't see all of this because I was managing the day-to-day operations. At the end of the day, I didn't want to take the time to reflect on the business because 
I was just too tired from working. Visiting parks. Interacting with park managers. Meeting with sellers and finding prospective buyers for the homes I had on the market. All of this can drain you as a person. And my energy was already spent doing these activities. The last thing I wanted to do at the end of the day was reflect on the business and see what I was doing right and what I was doing wrong to see if my actions worked with my personality. Failing to do this cost me time and money, but it was definitely a learning experience. So what I learned was that it was really the larger parks, many times corporate-owned, where I felt the most comfortable and those that worked best with my personality. In the beginning, I was scared to deal with these types of parks because I thought they were too corporate-like and wouldn't want to work with a small investor like me. Though, I soon found out it really didn't matter. Whether or not the park manager or owner wanted to work with me really depended on their personality. And there was nothing I could do to change that. Either they wanted to work with me or they didn't want to work with me. It was as simple as that. Once I got over the approach and learned how to actually talk to park managers through experience, which I cover in episode eight of this podcast, it really wasn't a big deal. After I decided to just focus on bigger parks, which were corporate-owned most of the time, things, they just got easier. I felt comfortable being in a professional setting, meeting with park managers with set office hours during the day. If things needed to get done, I wasn't being hounded on the phone. I'd simply just get a notice or a quick email from the manager. Things really weren't a big deal. Either I complied to do these items or get a fine. It really wasn't this way in smaller mom-and-pop type parks. There was a lot more push and pull and conversations had with park managers and owners, which in some cases just took up a lot of time. There was one smaller park in particular that was a mom and pop type park where I spent way too much time in. There was one manager in particular who wanted 
more of a friend than anything. So many times she'd call me to come into the office so we could talk. And of course, she had a list of quote-unquote deals for me to look at. Which really, looking back on things, weren't deals and probably just an excuse to talk to me. As a new investor, this really stroked my ego. I thought she was calling to give me deals as a mobile home investor. But honestly, this was not a park I do business in today. I moved a home into her park, which I'll talk about moving mobile homes in a future podcast episode. And to tell you the truth, I got really lucky with the residence I found for it. She was very responsible and college educated, which surprised the park manager, which she even told me. Now, maybe this should have been a warning about the types of people the park attracted. Those who were not as responsible. Getting back to the story, this just wasn't the type of park that I'd work in. It wasn't professionally managed. The manager was not professional either. And I felt uncomfortable in the park. I remember the park manager even had to lock the office door during our meetings just in case a suspicious character came by wanting to use the bathroom. I know this sounds crazy, and why would I even work in a place like this? But at the time, I really didn't take a moment to reflect on what was happening And I went against my gut and my personality. So the moral of the story is to work in parks that you feel comfortable in. Not every small park is going to have the types of homes, residents, managers, and even owners that I've mentioned in this episode. That was just my experience. There are some small parks with decent residents, managers, and owners who actually take care of where they live and manage and keep a certain degree of professionalism. I've been in a few myself. So your experience can be different than mine with small parks. But overall, I found the larger parks, who were mostly corporate-owned, worked better with my personality. I felt comfortable in these parks and the park managers who ran them. It truly felt like a corporate environment, which was normal to me and what I was used to. The only thing that was stopping me was a fear of the park manager rejecting me, which many did. 
and not wanting to work with me, which happened, as I've mentioned in this podcast, in other episodes. But what I found was that it wasn't every park manager and large park I visited. There were some large parks where the manager actually wanted to work with me. In many of these parks, the park manager was nice and actually told me to stay in touch. And I did. And it paid off. Big time. As I mentioned in episode eight of this podcast about how to talk to park managers, I eventually got into a large park, one that is corporate run with a thousand lots. Enough business to keep me busy for a long time. So there you have it. My advice on which types of parks are better to work in, whether they be small parks or large parks. And the answer is that it depends on your personality and comfort level. Just because working in smaller mom-and-pop type parks didn't work for me, and I preferred larger corporate-owned type parks, doesn't mean it won't work for you. Whether or not working in a small park or large park works for you completely depends on your comfort level and personality. Just remember, not all parks are the same. Not all parks have the same types of residents and attract the same type of clientele, whether they be big parks or small parks. Not all parks have the same types of managers and or owners, whether they are big parks or small parks. It really depends on the park. So when going out to visit parks, you have to evaluate the park by itself. Don't try to group them all together. Assuming a park isn't good for you to work in because it's a small park and you have certain beliefs about these types of parks isn't the way to go until you actually visit the park and find out exactly what type of park it is in the first place. Now, once you visit the park, evaluate it. Meet the residents. Drive the park. Talk to the park manager. Only then can you make a determination whether or not this is a good park for you to work in based on your comfort level and personality. I failed to take this step as a beginning mobile home investor. I failed to reflect on these things as I visited the parks. To me, all I saw were deals and my goal 
was to try to get into these parks in the first place. No matter what type of park it was. Yes, it gave me a lot of experiences and I learned a lot of lessons. Many I am sharing with you here in this podcast. But if I just took the time to reflect on these things, I could have saved myself a lot of time, money, and heartache. But as the old saying goes, c'est la vie, that's life. Again, evaluate each park individually as you visit them, whether they be big parks or small parks. If you're just starting out, I recommend visiting all types of parks, whether they be big or small. This will give you a sense of what to look out for and determine your comfort level in each park. Once you decide which parks to work in, then you can start to look for opportunities in these parks. So what did you think? Did this episode help you in getting started as a mobile home investor? I hope so. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes where I link up some of the resources mentioned here. You can find it at www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash 10. And that is the number 10. Again, www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash 10. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it with family and friends. And be sure to subscribe. If you have some time, I'd love to hear your feedback through a short Apple podcast review. Until next time, this is Rachel Hernandez, a.k.a. Mobile Home Girl of the Adventures of Mobile Homes podcast, signing off. Thanks for tuning in.